Hi there, welcome to Glenelg Baptist Church's podcast network. We're glad you can join us today. If you'd like more information on the church, please visit us on our website, www.gebc.org.nz. We hope you enjoy the pod. Said great pastor, and I turned around thinking, oh, Gary is going to preach today. It'll be, it'll be all good. Hey, welcome again, everyone. It was cool hearing, hearing the story that, you know, one person encouraged you. And then one person encouraged you. I have a story about how one person changed my time at school as well. What would it be if we were that one person? I just want to start with, what would it be if we were that one person that encouraged someone this week? You might not even know it, and you might change someone's life for the better this week. School. School and me, we didn't always get along, right? I remember um, I had this battle. I had this battle with English. Uh, for the longest of time, um, I started off in, in, in a good class in English, but me and the teacher didn't get along, and, and I think that says more about me uh, than it did about her, definitely. Um, I was year nine and a bit, of a, a bit of a wally. And then year 10, I had this teacher who I, again, didn't really want to listen to. Um, I didn't care about these books we were reading. I didn't care about Shakespeare. Why do I need to know this? I'm going to be a fighter pilot, you know? <laughs> And then year 11 happens, year 11 school certificate, because apparently, Abby, I'm an old person too. And we've got this, this task, the static images in year 11 English. Now, static images, these pictures. Now, you already know that I hate art. Why do I have to study art in English as well? And we've got these, these pictures. You know, make, a, make this static image, make this picture, and then explain why you did what you did and what effect that what you did did have and then something else. And, and, and if you can do that for the three different things you use, you're going to get nine points in school certificate English. But I'm terrible. I'm terrible at art. So I looked over at my friend Chris, not during the exam, just at his image, you know. Oh, Chris used bold letters. I'll take that. And uh, my friend over here, Nikki, she used, she used underline. And this other person used color. So I just took what Chris said, what Nikki said, and what, what this other person said, and just put that in my final exam, and hey, nine out of nine. Like, how good am I at English? Not very good. Not very good. Year 12 was a shocker. Um, but year 13, year 13, my English life changed. We had this teacher who was brilliant. And she, she told us at the start of the year, this is how to do the best in English this year. We had, there were four texts that we had this year. We had to write essays on three of them for the final exam. And, and this teacher, she had actually just sat year 13 English the year before because she never finished English at school. And her class made a bet with her, maybe a dare, because we don't talk about betting here, uh, a dare with her to, to do English and see if she could beat the class. And so she just sat this English exam. Is that me or the batteries? All right, please, please hold while I waltz down. This is the type of waltzing I did at the wedding, which is why Holly could never keep up with me. All right. Oh, yeah, we're good. We're good. We're good. And, and so she, this teacher knew what she was talking about in English, and she says, right, you've got, you've got to write on Shakespeare. And she was a very kind teacher. I was, I was the lead in Shakespeare production that year, and so she just lined up the play with the text that we had to learn about. And so I was dastardly Shylock, uh, in The Merchant of Venice, and the character question was on, Dastardly Shylock in The Merchant of Venice. I was like, woohoo, this teacher's brilliant. 
And then she says, and now there's three more texts, and you've got to write on two of them. The play The Crucible, which I decided that I would like, uh, because you've got to like the first one. And then term two comes, and she pulls out this thick book, Tests of the Doobables. Has anyone read it? Neither have I! Because I took the term off for English, because I knew I was never going to read this book, so let's just not write on this subject. And that just meant that I had to like the third text, which was a movie, The Shawshank Redemption. Possibly, yeah, you will not. Possibly one of the greatest movies of all time. And all I had to do was like it enough to write this assignment on it. And so The Shawshank Redemption, right, the story of this man who was wrongfully convicted. Oh, it's been out for ages. So if you haven't seen it, sorry about the spoilers, okay? This man who is wrongfully convicted and he's, he's living in, in prison, the only innocent man in Shawshank. Um, and the story is about his life in prison and how he, how he begins to learn this life and deal with this life. And this guy's Andy and he has this hope of getting down to Mexico one day to, to lead this different life. And he's talking to Red, the greatest smuggler in Shawshank. And they're discussing dreams and futures and, and Red's like, don't dream in here. Don't dream there's no hope. And, and, and Andy's confronted by this. He goes, no, you've got to hold to hope. And he, he says, I guess it comes down to one simple choice. Get busy living or get busy dying. And this line from Shawshank Redemption just came into my head over the last few weeks as I've been looking at this, this singular verse from Paul that we're talking on today, Ephesians 4.1. Ephesians 4, one. therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Therefore, Paul obviously wasn't that good at English either, because who starts a chapter with therefore? Therefore, because of, therefore has got to follow something Paul, therefore has to come after something, because of all of this. Because of all of this before is what Paul's saying. So what is therefore? Therefore, everything in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, everything that we have spoken about in here from the 14th of February. Now, who would like to give a recap? No one would like to give a, a recap of therefore. Well, I will. I will for us. Paul starts by letting the Christian community that has grown in Ephesus since he was there, he lets them know or he reminds them that through Christ, all spiritual blessings are available to them. Christ rules the realms of the gods that the rest of Ephesus worships. Christ is superior to them. He is supreme. He is telling them about the power that raised Christ from the dead, resurrection power that is available to us. You remember Gary speaking about this. Gary mentions ascension power is available to us because of what Christ has done. Christ has been raised to the right hand of the Father. The power that took Christ up and sat him there is available to us today. Christ has been given all rule and authority, power and dominion over every name. This is the God we serve. And he's, he's not only the God we serve in the present age, but also in the one to come. Christ was appointed over the head of the church. That's Ephesians 1. Ephesians 2, Paul reminds us and reminds them that they were made alive in Christ. Because of the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, because of the uncomparable grace shown to humanity, because of the kindness of God, we are made alive. And it isn't because of anything that we have done. We cannot earn it. It is a gift from God. It is a gift from God. It is grace. 
And when God sees the people that he pours this grace out on, he looks at us and loves us and sees us as his masterpiece. He looks at humanity and sees us as more important than any of the man-made wonders, more important even than the temple at Ephesus. And this grace, this view of God as humanity, as a masterpiece, isn't restricted just to the descendants of Abraham. It isn't restricted just to the Jews now. It's, it's, it's open to Jew and Gentile brought together. The Holy Spirit was poured out for both Jew and Gentile. We are united in Christ because of what He has done for us. We are united as the church, and the church is the vehicle that God will use to display His wisdom and rich variety to the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. That's where we left off. And then Paul prays. He prays, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your heart as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, because of everything in that recap, therefore, because of everything that Paul just prayed, therefore I, Paul, a prisoner for the Lord, beg you, to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Paul knew a little bit about being a prisoner, right? Paul was writing this text while he was under house arrest in Rome. He was literally a prisoner for doing the Lord's work. He was arrested for preaching the gospel. But this wording here that that Paul uses as prisoner, it also is the language of being bound to one another. And Paul has bound himself to Christ. Christ has also bound himself to Paul as he bounds himself to all of us through, through what he's done and that invitation for all of us there. But Paul has bound himself to Christ. Paul, who in Paul's own description was one of the worst, one of the most prolific hunters of Christ followers. This was what Paul did before, uh, before Jesus captured him. He hunted God's people to arrest them for the Romans. And he encountered Christ. He encountered Jesus and began living the life that Paul was made to live. He started to do the will of God. He started to live his calling even to the point where Paul was arrested by those he used to work with and those he was working for. Paul had been impacted by the Holy Spirit and knew that his job, his calling, his life purpose was to worship God, was to point to God, was to reveal the story of God 
to everyone that he encountered at whatever cost. Paul was leading a life worthy of his calling and he was begging from his home prison cell that those in Ephesus would do the same. And if he wrote to us today, he would be begging us to do the same as well. Live a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. He is asking them, he's saying, get busy living. Get busy living the life that God has for you. The God who has gone before, the God who is above all, the God who is in all and lives within all of us. The God who gives you grace, the God who invites you into grace, the God who says, get busy living and come for a ride with me. What would it take for you to call yourself a prisoner for the Lord? What changes would have to happen in your life? What's stopping you? As Paul sits in house arrest with the Romans, he knows what it takes. He knows what it means to be bound. He's seen the life that the world has for him, that the Romans had for him. And he encountered Jesus in this real way. And Jesus was able to unshackle the world from Paul. Paul grew up as a Pharisee, I believe. He, 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 he grew up as a Jew. He knew the stories of Jesus. He knew the stories of the Old Testament. He grew up with such a knowledge of God and still went and chased these Christ followers. He hunted them down. It didn't matter that he knew it. He needed to experience Christ for himself, and Christ came for him. Are we, are some of us here today with just a knowledge of God, that you want to experience him for real the way that Paul did, the way that we've heard about from testimonies from here? Or is it just sitting up in your head? Is that what has you bound? Do you suffer the bondage of seeking acceptance where deep down you know that that's not where acceptance should be sought? Are you, are you seeking power? Are you seeking prestige? Are you looking for love in all the wrong places? Are you, are you bound up by negative self-talk of never feeling good enough, of, of wondering why God would even love you? Why would God even choose you? Look at the story of Paul. I don't think anyone here is hunting down Christ followers. And yet God still went to the very worst and showered him with grace and showered him with love and showered him with mercy and said, come and follow me, just like he did to the disciples on the beach. Come and follow me. You, you, you cannot be too bad for God. The story of the cross is that you cannot be too bad for God. Don't be bound by what the world has be bound by who Christ is. Be bound in his freedom. Be bound in his love. Let God pursue you and let him catch you and bind yourself to him. If, if he can do that for an enemy, if he can do that for an enemy, what would he do for someone who is running towards him? You cannot be 
too bad for God. You cannot be too far gone for God. He will not stop chasing. And he says, be bound to me. And I think some of you here just need to sit in this moment, talk with God, spend some time and ask him, where are you bound? And ask him to set you free. Ask a neighbor to pray with you. Ask the prayer team up here at the front after the service, but do ask being bound to Christ is a whole lot more freeing than being bound to anything else in this world. See, Paul finishes this this passage with this charge to live a life worthy of your calling. For you've been called by God. Gary's going to actually go over a lot of this next week because the next chapters, the next verses, Ephesians 4, 2 to 15, talk about this calling. And so actually I want to go back and I want to invite us in to sit with us. And maybe Glenn, if you're comfortable, I don't know where you are, if if you're comfortable to come up and play some sweet melodies, if, if that's all right. I just think there are people who are sitting here bound. And bound in something that the world has for you, which isn't what Jesus has for you. So I just, I'm going to invite us all to sit in this moment. And if you want prayer, ask your neighbor, come to the front. I'm sure Barry and Joy are happy to pray. And I'm sure there's some other people who will pray too. This is, the Jesus that we serve is the Jesus that captured Paul. The worst of the worst. And he brings grace, and he brings salvation, he brings love, and he brings acceptance. And so if you are bound by anything today that isn't life-giving, that isn't, isn't helping you be worthy of the person God's called you to be, I just invite you to come and pray. Thanks again for joining with us today. If you'd like to know more information on the church or reach out to one of the pastors, please visit our website, www.gebc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day.